G'day. Well, uh, we've been living through a pretty unusual moment in history. And uh, many of us have been focused on what does it mean to survive this moment, to get through this moment. I have uh, been doing a bit of reflecting. Obviously, I'm a, a senior pastor of uh, Citywide Baptist Church. I'm the senior pastor of Citywide Baptist Church. And, uh, and as we've been leading our church through this, the central question for me has been, where are we going? What is God up to in this moment? It's been pretty clear that uh, the way the church has been going is a little off from where it needs to be going. And I'm talking about the big C church. So the sense that I think God, a lot of people have been talking for a long time about reformation, about the, the sense that they have a sense that God's going to do something in the church. And I think what I want to do in this moment is, uh, through this series of discussions, just take a moment to, to step back and say, okay, what is God up to? And, and what does that mean for those of us who are trying to think about where the church should be going and what does it mean to, to lead the church in this moment? And uh, for the first one of these discussions, I, I, I'm going to bounce off um, a French uh, sociologist who has had a huge impact through the 20th century. So I think some of his thinking helps us understand, you know, where the church has got stuck and also what's been happening in these last few months with the COVID-19 crisis and, and why some people are saying this has been great for the church, others are saying this has been terrible for the church. Uh, and, and I think his, his, some of his frameworks help us think about, okay, what is the future need to look like. Uh, his name is Pierre Bourdieu and uh, basically he tried to come up with a, a theory that explained uh, how society hangs together uh, and uh, to, as part of that he came up with uh, at least two theories that I think are, are helpful uh, for us thinking about what does it mean to be followers of Jesus in this minute. Uh, just up front uh, my understanding of uh, the, the long game, God's long game, is framed by uh, Ephesians 3.10 and, and the, the idea that God has chosen the church to make his wisdom known. God has chosen the church to make his wisdom known. Uh, which is both encouraging but also challenging, isn't it? Because... Uh, if you were to look at the, all the times the church has been uh, covered in uh, media over the last 10 years, you wouldn't necessarily say uh, it's an example of God's wisdom. Often it's uh, the opposite of that. So, so I want to ask, what does all that mean? Another fundamental assumption I bring to this uh, is that the, the purpose of the church is kind of spelt out by uh, Ephesians 4, and particularly the purpose of the leadership of the church uh, is spelt out by Ephesians 4. And, and that is that when the gifts in the church are working well, uh, that all the people in the church will be equipped, Ephesians 4.12, for their works of service. All the people in the church will be equipped. Everyone in the church will be finding their story and growing up more and more to reflect Jesus. Uh, 
And as they do that in the places where they live, learn, work and play, they will effectively, what Jesus calls salt and light, they will have an impact on the society around them. So, so if, if, with all those underlying assumptions, let's have a look at what Pierre Bourdieu says. Uh, we'll start with his theory of fields. Uh, basically, he, what he says is, all of us exist in different fields. And for simplicity's sake, I've, I've narrowed them down to the, all of us have a place where we work or express, you know, some kind of vocation. Uh, all of us have a place where we live. All of us have a place uh, where we play. Uh, and all of us have a place where we go to learn. Some of those places like uh, where people go to learn may be online. Uh, a lot of, it's, in, it's interesting for me that the number of uh, people that just turn to YouTube when they have questions these days. Uh, some people are unemployed, but they still uh, uh, find something to do, find something meaningful to do. Uh, and uh, all of us live somewhere, uh, even if it is a, a moving place, there is something about, we, we've got somewhere to live. And what, what Bourdieu, Bourdieu uh, said, I was particularly in the Western world, those things have become more and more separate and each one of them he called a field like a and what he meant was like a, a sporting field or a, uh, a place where a contest happens and in all those places there are people who are have more status and people who have lower status there are people who are winning the game and people who are losing the game so uh, you know we see that in every workplace uh, we see that often when people are playing you know you play golf and <laughs> or if you, if you play certainly with sport uh, very clear and, and he often would use a sporting analogy for this whole thing of the field and he said that each one of those fields has its own rules and the rules he called the doxa they are the which is interesting it's a Greek word uh, which is also used in the New Testament for glory and they are what he meant by the doxa is the implicit understandings that everybody who's playing the game uh, in your workplace or in your house, your, like he, from his understanding, your house, your home would have its own set of rules. And there would be a, uh, according to those rules, there'll be someone with the most room to influence and someone with the least room to influence. Uh, similarly in your workplace, similarly in the places where you play, uh, and uh, similarly in the places where you learn. There'll be somebody who is at the top of the tree in the places where you learn, someone who's at the bottom of the tree, but all of us implicitly, we might not even be conscious of it, but implicitly we know what the rules of the game are. Interestingly enough, uh, he didn't really unpack that uh, in terms of, for, for, for Bourdieu, uh, he said that in the, our existence in all those fields shapes us uh, and, and and it's often the tension between the, the fields and we'll, we'll be at different places in the different fields. But he, he didn't really see a, an overarching narrative as such, although he did say that political power is kind of the one that oversees it all and there is a, there's this big political game going on. In some way, as I understand what he's saying, I, I think if we look at society, we can see 
that society is like a this overarching game within which all these other fields take place. And there is a, in society, we have winners and losers and there are implicit rules. Uh, now, he, he talked about churches being uh, one of the fields or, or religious institutions being one of the fields in which people can uh, find their place. I, as I've processed it, and I, I think what is true is like most of us live learn, work and play regularly in these fields. The church is meant to be kind of separate from that. In fact, the, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. And, and what really happens is that the, the intent of the church is that people uh, leave the place, you know, at least one of the intents of the church is, is that they are called out. Ecclesia means called out. They're called out of the places where they live, learn, work and play and are given a different story. And, and, uh, and one of the assumptions behind the Bible is that there is a bigger story that is bigger than society, and it's the story of the kingdom of God. And the, the purpose of the church is to remind me that there is a, an, another narrative. Society influences how we live, learn, work and play. And we've seen that worked out very clearly been a bit of a whiplash for people over the last 10 years as we've seen or even you know the last 50 years we've seen massive changes in society uh, so changes from the, the makeup of the family unit uh, changes in the the amount of hours we're working uh, changes uh, in what we understand is about about sexuality uh, changes in what we understand about the environment and uh, changes is so many change, and all of those are sort of the a bigger story. But one of the one of the great challenges uh, that Bourdieu and his way of thinking uh, brings is that uh, we basically you see uh, basically at the heart of it, at, at, in what he's saying is the heart of each one of these fields is a is a tension. And he, he describes the tension as the tension between the people who want to hold on uh, to the rules as they are and those who want to change them or break them. <laughs> and he said, and you can see that working out in society, can't you? Those who want to hold on to things as they are and those who want to change them or break them. What my sense of uh, this way of thinking has been that when you lose sight of the kingdom of God, then you, the, the main thing that shapes your thinking are the rules of the game and the way the game works out for you. And in fact, what Bourdieu, Bourdieu would say is the rules of the game uh, and, the, and the fields you play in have had a profound effect on how you think about yourself and how you think about the world. And he, he says, the, this is the other part of his theory, he calls the habitus. And uh, what he means by the habitus is how you both see yourself and see the world and how you react to it. It's kind of the, the sense of self you bring to things and also all the assets and other things. He talks about uh, social, cultural and economic capital. What he means by social capital is the the relationships you have into every every field you come 
you you bring a set of established relationships. You've got your family and your friends and and what he's saying is the more friends and family you have, the easier you will find it uh, in the different fields you have. Similarly, he talks about cultural capital, things that in our culture help you sort of stand up and be marked as as somebody to be taken seriously or not to be taken seriously. And, and, and things like a, a, a university degree or how you dress uh, or how you speak are all signs of what he would call cultural capital. I mean, he talks about uh, economic capital. And what he assumes is, as you bring your uh, habitus, your social, your cultural, your economic capital into a field, uh, and, and all those, and, and what he assumes is that your habitus has already been shaped by your, your experiences in the places where you live, learn, work and play. What he assumes is that your habitus, as it meets the rules of the game in whatever field you're part of, then that gives you your level of status. So if you come in with a high level of uh, social capital, a uh, high level of cultural capital. So if you come in lots of relationships and friendships, or even so, just a few very key friendships, or if you come in with uh, uh, a lot of money, uh, or if you come in with a, uh, you know, you speak properly, you, you look like you belong there, uh, you've, you know, got symbols of, of status, like a, a nice car or, that kind of, or you live in the right, you know, the right suburb, all those things, the, the cultural capital, the economic capital, and the social capital will affect how people see you and will affect how much influence you get and how easy it is for you to win at the game. And, and what he assumes is that these games are going on all the time uh, and that the basically the, the, the journey of life is to try and win at the game. And, and, and each, each field, your workplace, your home, your, uh, you know, where you relax and take it easy, wherever it is, where you learn your universities or your schools, each one of those is a field uh, and your experience of those things will be shaping you. And each one of those things has its own set of rules. And we have the society which has its own set of rules and has changed the rules and, and kind of is the, the context in which the other fields take place. So why am I saying all this? Well, I think in this COVID-19 moment, uh, we've had this interesting moment where, where we found it harder to, uh, to leave the places where we live, learn, work and play because we haven't been able to and escape to a, a physical uh, experience of church uh, and if we're to be honest, if we look at the, the models of church we, uh, we now assume to be, uh, you know, or, or that ha are shaping us now, most of the models of the church that, we are, that have been shaping us were developed uh, around the time of the Industrial Revolution. They've been tweaked uh, and, th and we've got better. But basically what happens is we get to church on, on a Sunday morning and we sing some songs and a minister speaks. And we kind of assume that that Sunday morning experience is uh, what church is. 
And this moment we're in has called all that into question because uh, it is not, uh, <laughs> we're not meeting physically together. Uh, and it's also, whereas uh, as Bourdieu would, in his normal way of thinking, would be that these things are usually pretty separate, all of them have been collapsed together again. And we're, we're working from home, we're living from home, we're playing at home, we're spending more time with our, our families, less time with uh, our friends. And it's raising all these interesting questions. And it's raising the question of what the purpose of the church actually is and how do we work. One of the fairly obvious things, and uh, Mark Green from the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity pointed this out. He said that uh, we have created this field called the church, which is largely separate and, and, uh, and unrelated to the other fields we live in. Uh, and he calls that the sacred secular divide. It's kind of this whole world here that doesn't really equip or prepare or help me live in the fields. It doesn't help me make sense of my home. It doesn't make me help me make sense of my work or the, the places where I relax uh, or the places where I learn. It doesn't help me have the, the tools I need to make sense of the, the reality I live in uh, Monday through Saturday. And... Uh, one of the other things that one of the other implications of this is uh, I've been uh, he, uh, influenced and, and found helpful the, the, the work of James K.A. Smith, who talks about the, the reality that uh, all of us are being formed and shaped uh, as Bourdieu, or exactly as Bourdieu says, by the fields in which we hang out in. And so because we spend 95% of our time in these fields, these fields, which are kind of unrelated to church, have a bigger impact on our, what Bourdieu calls the, the habitus and the way we think and act and are in the world than the church does because we're only spending 5% of our time in the church. And so we are being formed and shaped more. And you're seeing... Uh, us less likely to be salt and light and having influence there and more likely to be reflecting these things. And so this moment, and this, I guess this is where I'm probably going to leave it or start to ask questions from this point on. For me, the question is, what does it mean to help our people actually be salt and light in these fields? What kind of church is needed? And what kind of functions are needed? Well, I think for that, you, you can see clearly what Paul was reaching for in Ephesians 4. He said that there are uh, these, what he called the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor teacher are, are functions that are necessary to equip people for their works of service. Well, I, I think... We have seen those functions largely about how do we do this, but really those functions are about how do we do this. And interestingly enough, I, I think uh, the, I, the model of uh, going to church and living in a, a separate field 
it is very clear that the church does need to be separate. He said we need to come away and there are some things that can really only happen effectively when we are together. Like there is something, something about the power of singing together and worship that, you know, where in Ephesians, Paul says, you know, speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. There, you can't replicate that in your home. There's something powerful that happens when we sing together. There's also something about when we are gathered together in prayer, where we pull out and we're gathered together with prayer. And I, I think we do need to withdraw together and be together. We need that kind of fellowship. with, And, and the church really needs to be uh, a whole bunch of people who aren't like us, that where we are reminded that Jesus is Lord and this is the actual field that matters. The kingdom of God is the actual field that matters. So that's that, in my view, is the function of the church. Interestingly enough, it's also been the, the primary locus of teaching, of learning. But one of the problems with that is because it's separate in a way that the early church never was, the teaching largely becomes self-focused and self-perpetuating and doesn't, in, doesn't help uh, us move here. Whereas I think that the pastor teachers, their, their job is to equip people to live in and understand what does it mean for them to, uh, for people to, to operate and be salt and light in the fields they're part of. And as part of that, we also need to equip people to find fellowship I reckon this is in my book, The Six Radical Decisions. Uh, this is what I'm talking about, the kingdom cells. That, that we need people, we need brothers and sisters who understand the rules of the games we're stuck in, in our workplaces, uh, understand how things are going in our homes, understand where, the place where we learn and, and, and understand uh, the places where we play, can understand our lives more clearly than a pastor possibly could. For me, I see this most clearly um, in examples like the, the, the Inklings, as, the, as C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien would get together over a beer. The pastor really could not have given uh, C.S. Lewis input on, on the, the literary uh, reality he was trying to create uh, in the Narnia Chronicles, and, and, and the pastor really wouldn't have had a clue how to help uh, Tolkien with The Lord of the Rings. But those guys became mates, and because they were living in a similar university uh, literary world, they were able to, to wrestle through questions of faith and practice in that world. And I, I don't think we in the church have been good at facilitating these kind of fellowships. I think this is a core part of what we need to be doing. And our teaching needs to equip people for this. We also need teaching that focuses us on Jesus and there's incredible theological truths and, and, and so we, it, it can't all be about that. It needs, we need to keep being reminded. And there is physical realities, like uh, there is something about taking communion together that you just really can't do on your own. And baptism is not something that happens over here, it needs to happen here. But it needs to be this constant in and out that reminds us that, that the real game we're playing isn't the fields. This is the real game we're playing. We're, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and understand the bigger reality that God is shaping amongst us. And this is, this is why I wanted to start this conversation, I guess. Because um, I, I think this COVID-19 moment has been a shaking moment, don't you think? 
And, and I think that in many ways what God is doing is reforming the church so that we can more effectively be salt and light. And I, I want to, uh, over the next weeks in this uh, video segment session that I'll uh, publish once a week, is just work out what does all that mean? And, and what does it actually mean to lead a church in this direction and uh, to be the kind of place that helps people become more and more like Jesus, but also equips them to be salt and light in the real mess of the world they're facing. And I do think we're going to need to understand more what Paul was talking about, whether functions of apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist and pastor teacher. Uh, I I think uh, that uh, many of the, the functions he was reaching for have gone missing in the church as we have more and more focused on the this being a, a separate kind of thing and more as a result of that more and more of our people looking more and more like this uh, the, looking more more like the fields that they're um, part of and and realizing that Jesus was primarily interested in the habitus, the heart, the way you see the world. He said it's not about putting on a show. It's actually the way you see the world, the way you are in the world. And uh, Jesus didn't use the word habitus. He talked about heart, which is uh, in, in many ways similar, uh, a similar idea. The, the biblical understanding of a heart, of your heart, is actually quite similar to the, what Bourdieu was reaching for with the, the idea of the habitus. So, yeah, I, I don't know how you found all that, but this is kind of the introduction. And uh, as you can tell, this will be a longer form discussion and it it's re really will be me uh, both thinking out loud and talking about the bigger picture of the road from here, you know, where, where on earth God is taking us in this moment and, and what does the church need to be as we prepare for that future. So I'll be unpacking a lot of this kind of stuff uh, and uh, getting deeper into the word uh, and seeing if we can together get a, a clearer vision of the kind of church we want to become as we step together into the future. Uh, you can see behind me that there are these banners uh, that are for us at Citywide Baptist Church sort of sum up the heart of it. And I think it's still the heart. It is what does it mean to follow? There's a green, the green banner says follow. You can't see it quite here. What does it mean to bless? And what does it mean to share? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to bless the world? And what does it mean to share in community? And I think as we boil it down, that those questions are right at the heart of uh, what God is wanting to do in the church right now. So uh, my prayer is that God will continue. Well, that this really will be a moment of discontinuity. I don't, I don't know how you find it. I don't want to go back to business as usual, usual in the church. I think God is doing something that is changing things. And I'm, I'm hopeful. As I look around, uh, I think people are seeing that, uh, seeing some of the dysfunctions in the church, but also seeing some of the real value in the church. And, and, and I think this is a moment where uh, and my prayer is, that we won't just gravitate back to the way we've always done it, but that somehow there will be a, almost a, uh, a, a, a reformation that happens out of all this, that shapes us so that we can be 
shapes us as the church so that we can better shape one another to be salt and light in the places where we live, learn, work and play and to have our eyes more thoroughly fixed on Jesus. Well, there you go. That's uh, the first of these installments. I hope you found it useful. I'll uh, talk to you more about this next week.